I wanted to also normalize losing your virginity at an older age, with quotations over that. I was 21 years old when it happened, but I felt like at the time I was kind of the lost one in my friend group to lose it. And, you know, it's feeling pressure. And, you know, when I was going out in New York, I was like, oh, God, you know, I don't want to say that I'm a virgin. We're hanging out at these clubs with these men. And I'm like fully a virgin here. I'm like, this is just going to turn out bad. Heartbreakers, happy Sunday. So today I have a guest who has written a really fun book. Her name is Stevie Bowen. Her book is called The City of Dating, and it really spans her dating experiences from age 18 into her early 20s. And it provides a lot of great detail about these random nights out that you have where you know, it might not even really be that significant, but it's these little experiences that kind of like help shape your opinion on dating and kind of like help you grow and help you learn a lot about yourself. And as I was reading her book, I was like, man, I wish I had this level of insight into my early dating experience. Because when I was in middle school and high school, I journaled. I actually read one of my old journal entries on a past solo episode, but I don't think I really did it in college. At least I haven't like found any old journal entries. But as I was thinking about it, I realized I did have one source of information that would kind of provide a little insight into what I was going through when I was in the same phase that Stevie is kind of recounting in her book. So this was before Instagram, you know, like we didn't have Instagram until my senior year of college. And even then, like none of us knew how to use it. It was like me posting pictures of like random gin and tonics that I ordered at Maloney's. So we were very dependent on Facebook. And it's so funny because I had this thread with four of my girlfriends and like two of them went to UCLA with me. So it's like funny that we had to update each other so in depth through this thread. And then two of the other girls went to different schools. We had this Facebook thread where we would update one another about what was happening in our lives, mostly about guys and dating, because of course, it's like, that's what felt so interesting and taboo and exciting at the time. This was the first time that I logged into my Facebook for months. And I was like, please, please let this thread still be intact. And it's just so embarrassing to read it because first of all, it's like, God, what a shit show. What a shit show. And second of all, whereas like this book that I'm about to talk to Stevie about is really artfully written and paints like such a nice picture and is like really fun. This is literally reading like I'm still a middle schooler writing in my diary. So here's a little excerpt from one of the updates that I provided. This was my junior year of college. Okay. So what interesting things have happened in my life? Dot, dot, dot. Not too much. The most interesting was that I went to my first date party. During zero week, I met this guy who was rushing for... What? 
Okay, sorry. It's like, it's very stream of consciousness. So it's kind of hard to track. During zero week, I met this guy who was rushing at the time at a party. And we were definitely flirting a lot because I was wasted. But then he walked me back and tried to shove his tongue down my throat. And I really wasn't down. Then, surprise, surprise, we find out two weeks later that we're in the same student government office. So that means I basically have to see him every Thursday. And after that, he started texting me again and finally asked me to his date party. To be honest, one of the primary reasons I said yes was because I just wanted to see what they were like. It was kind of like a country theme. He's in, insert frat here, so I really hoped I would see blank. I did not. First letdown of the night. It started off okay, not super exciting. He literally introduced me to every one of his brothers who we ran into. It was out of control. So after we play beer pong, they start playing dance music and he starts to dance with me. And for some reason, I was just really annoyed. I wasn't even drunk, which I think is a requirement for date parties. I was just watching every other girl have a blast and make out with her date and I tried to have fun, but for some reason, I really wasn't into it. He started kissing my neck, which I probably should have stopped him, but I didn't. So he pulled me over to the couch and started throwing out all these cheese ball lines and trying to hook up with me, but I was so not into it. Nothing happened. I guess I was a pretty lame date. But honestly, their date party sucked. They're on social probation, so it was at their house and not at some cool venue like the rest of them are. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's just so cringy to read this back. It really, really brings me right back. And honestly, there's like more that I could read from this. And Okay, I'll keep reading just because I think it's funny that I was like, not that much is happening. And then I like proceed to talk about two other guys. Okay, so continuing on. Other than that, nothing has really been super exciting. Retreat for student government was literally the biggest shit show ever. I went for Blank's office, lap dances, people grinding on the floor, the works. That was the weekend before my three midterms, so I had to make up for it when I got home and study my ass off. Worst week ever, especially since I had a paper due last Friday, the morning after my birthday, and I also had the hardest physics midterm I've ever taken that day. I made up for it after that, though. Friday, I drank at the guy's apartment upstairs and then went to hang out with my friend and two of the soccer guys at their apartment. Same two guys who came to our housewarming, including the one who hit on me. I don't think I ever mentioned this, but the one who hit on me has a girlfriend on the gymnastics team. I see her almost every time I work in the training room. Okay, pause. To give a little context, I had like a sports medicine internship in college and I was assigned to the men's soccer team. And so I would like go in the training room where like all the athletes were, but I worked with these soccer players specifically. Okay, resume. I feel so bad for her. He just hits on everyone like he's single. Once again, he was all over me when I went to his apartment and nothing happened, but I still felt really awkward at practice the next day. Then the next night I had a party at my apartment, which was a much bigger success than the last one since nothing got stolen and our landlord didn't come. That was my biggest worry. (sighs) Oh, college. Okay. So then the final paragraph of my marathon update. So this week has been okay. I'm still brain dead from last week, so not much studying has gone on. Interesting. I've just been catching up on life things I neglected the previous week. Last night, though, another shit show. Blank had a social at his apartment for his student government office, which is why I'm still drunk. What? Like, what time did I even write this? 
This is literally so terrible, but blank and I ended up making out last night. I really thought that was over. He's been hanging out with this girl blank since last spring, but he just brought up how fun it was when we used to hook up and things kind of progressed from there, I guess. All we did was make out, but I'm still upset because I thought we could just be really good friends. And last winter, I would have killed for an opportunity for him to hit on me again just so I could turn him down. Stupid alcohol. I woke up on their couch and still can't find my keys. Luckily or unluckily, I live just downstairs. What a mess. Imagine writing all of that and being like, not that much is going on. It is wild. It was definitely a carefree time. So... Uh, Yeah. You know, Stevie's book is much more well-written than this and much more polished. So with that, I think I will end this and transition into her interview. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. Today, I'm really honored to introduce Stevie Bowen. She is a fashion director and the founder and author of The City of Dating. It's a memoir about her early dating experiences that has evolved into a community platform dedicated to helping others date to find themselves, which I can't wait to dive into that philosophy. And so she's really focused on having you find yourself versus finding your soulmate. And on top of that, she is the writer of the weekly dating advice column on the city of dating and the creator of Date Confessions, which is dedicated to sharing dating stories and taking lessons from every experience, even down to one night stands. Stevie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. And I mean, if that introduction was any indication, like you are doing the most, like in the best way possible. It's so impressive. And I love that you've kind of transformed your own dating experience into something that can be so accessible and relatable to other people who are just kind of like going through this crazy roller coaster. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what inspired you to write this book in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, I never really thought about writing a book before this one, but, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic and, you know, in 2020, I had been let go from my job as like many people had. Mm -hmm. And I was reading a ton of books and I, I read randomly this book called The Silk from like the 1700s. This duchess in England wrote it and it was just all written in love letters. I was like, wow, that's such a great idea. And I was got sort of thinking, I was like, what if I started writing thank you letters to my past, you know, maybe dates, one night stands, relationships in the past. And I think at that point, like a lot of people, there wasn't much going on in the dating world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Mr. Twig had actually reached back out to me. So oh my God. there was, you know, it had my mind sort of uh, going and I thought, yeah. let me just sit down and sort of journal and go through my thoughts and really just like, you know, take a second to look back on my dating life for a minute. And I started with Mr. Bumble. That was more of just like the perfect Bumble day. And I was like, I just really would, you know, let me just read, write about it and just mm-hmm. see how that felt. And it just really came naturally. I started thinking back on everyone I had dated um, since I moved to New York City when I was 18. And mm-hmm. it kind of just took its course. It was just this natural flow of feelings and words. And as I was writing it and I was telling the stories in each letter, I realized that each one gave me a lesson and I was Mm -hmm. really thanking them at the end Mm -hmm. of like, wow, thank you for teaching me this or thank you for helping me realize X, Y, and Z. And 
yeah, it just became this book. And I thought, wow, I have to do something with this. And I loved sharing my stories. And I, you know, it almost made me feel a bit less alone with myself. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I wanted other people to feel that feeling of just kind of letting go, but also learning from your past and Mm -hmm. your dating past. And I think because you get so into your life that you just kind of keep going, you know? And yeah, I just, it became this dating community platform and it just grew from my words, basically, mm-hmm. um, just naturally. So yeah, now I wrote a book, which is absolutely nuts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that so much. And so you said that you live in New York. I feel like people are probably confused because they're like, wait, she has an accent. Yes. So for the listeners, <laughs> where are you originally from? And like, when did you move to New York? Yeah, I'm originally from England. My family, we came to Texas when I was two years old, but we split, you know, half our time between both places. So mm-hmm. Texas and England. Um, so I kind of have a very funky accent. It almost seems like I've just been placed in the like middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> and they're like, just do, you know, whatever comes out my mouth, whatever. So, um, <laughs> but then I came up to New York City when I was 18 to study at LIM College. So I studied business and fashion mm-hmm. and everything. And I've stayed here. And here I am. I love yeah. New York. <laughs> and how old are you today? I'm about to turn 26. My gosh. So a lot of dating experience in those like seven years, which I feel like you just kind of like came up in the city for dating. You know, like I've noticed as I've been doing the podcast, like most of my guests at this point are from New York. I feel like they just have like (laughs) so many experiences to share and like it spans a lot of like dating podcasts. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like you must have, and I know you must have because I read the book so much to share. And I love that you kind of took this approach of reflecting on it and figuring out like, how did you grow from it? How did you learn from them? Because Mm -hmm. there were some experiences that were just like, oh, this is totally relatable. I feel like I could have written this. And then somewhere it's like, oh my gosh, this is wild, but like, what a great (laughs) opportunity to like learn more and dig deeper and reflect. You know, I wanted to write it so other people could relate and almost put themselves in that story Mm -hmm. in their own, you know, experiences. Because the whole point is that I don't want other people to feel alone. Like, you know, dating is crazy. There's a lot of struggles that go into it. And I think sometimes we don't always talk about it or you're nervous to say things or like, you're like, oh, am I the only one that this has happened to? Mm -hmm. And you're not. That was also a reason why I wanted to write it and wanted to share it. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I know you mentioned like Mr. Bumble being kind of like the Mm -hmm. kickoff to the book. And I think in the book, you said like he was technically your second online date. Yes. Yeah. My first one was actually Mr. Twig. Um, Believe it or not, Mr. Twig was someone who kind of was like in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the longest relationship. It was very interesting. I think there was an immaturity factor to it as well. Um, but yeah, Mr. Bumble, it was just like the perfect online date. It was just mm-hmm. kind of yeah. what we thought it should be, but mm-hmm. never really is. I think that was the only time it ever was, you know, perfect and just chatted. It just got on so well. Um, but I feel like there's also a factor in it that, yeah, we talked for so many hours, but then mm-hmm. when it came to like the physical stuff or, you know, getting to the point where you're touching a little bit more, mm-hmm. that was completely lost. But just even the idea of like getting to just go out and date for the experience and to meet new people, I think is really what he represents. 
I love that. And it's nice that you had that kind of as your online dating kickoff in a way, because mm-hmm. I think that it's easy to idealize online dating when you haven't had anything bad happen to you. And that was kind of me when I got on the apps. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I just get to go to all these like fun dinners and drinks. And then like, you kind of realize like, no, it's actually sometimes a little more insidious than that, or just more exhausting or people are weird, you know? And so the fact that you had this experience to kind of validate the positive side of online dating, I think is really, really great. He was a good kickoff. I mean, also, you know, uh, since then I've had some questionable ones as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, inevitable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, he just, I don't know why I started with him because he really wasn't in my life for very long. But yeah, he kicked it off. Mm-hmm. And here I am. So thank yeah. you, Mr. Bumble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So going back, when you first mentioned Mr. Twig and the fact that he reached back out, I know like mm-hmm. I audibly reacted because I was like, that was such a powerful end to the book. I was like on the edge of my seat as I was reading this and just so enthralled because I think that so many women can like kind of relate to this feeling of dating somebody when our gut tells us that we shouldn't and we Mm -hmm. go along with it for like longer than in hindsight, we would have actually dated them. And just because it's like, you know, there's something pulling us in or there's like an idea that we should be with this person for some reason, like there's a whole range of reasons why we can feel that way. And I think you can definitely like get down on yourself when you look back on it for being like, I stayed in it longer than I should have, but it's also kind of important to see it as the learning and growth opportunity that it is. So wanted to get like some more thoughts about him. And also to confirm, was this a play on Mr. Big? Um, you know, when I was writing it, he really, I didn't think that he was my Mr. Big, but now when I like go back and rethink about it, he really was. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he represented that, um, in the sense of New York city and mm-hmm. what, you know, sex in the city kind of, portrays it to be. Yeah. And I think I went into this relationship. I think there were also, like I said, there was an immaturity factor to it, but there just also was like, this makes sense. I feel like there was pressure from, you know, just the city in general from mm-hmm. friends and like just the social pressures of, yeah. he kind of was in the finance world. I was in fashion. It was mm-hmm. like, is this the power couple <laughs> dynamic that mm-hmm. I should be looking for? Um, you know, you going to the cool hot spots in the city and it's kind of flashy, but mm-hmm. it's like, is that what I want? Am I feeling fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And it really was a turning point for me living in New York City that I think a lot of people come in and they're like, this is what New York is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really not the city is what you make it to be. Mm-hmm. And he made me realize that. And he also made me realize, you know, maybe this isn't the guy that I want to be with. I wanted the book to end with that because mm-hmm. it kind of was a turning point also in my dating world and how I wanted to approach dating. And it was just this big, huge shift in my 20s. And I think since that moment, I've just approached dating so differently. Yeah, And it just felt like the right ending. Um, yeah. But he, I think he definitely was my Mr. Big, but I kind of was like, no, I'm done with you. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't stay yeah. with him like Thank Harry God. did. <laughs> yes. How Sex in the City should have ended. <laughs> exactly. Maybe a little bit more self-aware <laughs> Yes. Harry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was just really interesting. And I love what you said about like the flashiness and like that kind of like pulling you in in the sense of like, this is the stereotype of what dating mm-hmm. in New York is like, because yes. it kind of like goes back to whenever I think about The Bachelor and it's like, yeah, these people are more inclined to fall in love because you're having these 
wild, lavish experiences together and oftentimes like adrenaline inducing experiences. And I feel like sometimes the experience can supersede the connection or like it falsifies a connection where you're like, oh, well, we do these amazing things together. And like, that is what's making me feel this way. And you kind of conflate it with your feelings for the person, even though those might not be as strong. Yes. Yes. Because I think at the end of the day, when I look back on it, we weren't ever kind of hanging out at home or mm -hmm. we never brought our friends into the mix. He didn't, I didn't either. Mm -hmm. um, and it really was just us going to, you know, these fancy sushi dinners and hotels and bars mm -hmm. and stuff. And that really was what made up the relationship, like you said. And it just felt superficial looking back at it. So I'm mm -hmm it was like, that's not what I want. That's not what I want in New York. That's not what I want in a relationship. So yeah, yeah. there has to be kind of like the range of experiences, because like when it comes down to it, a real relationship is going to be like the boring stuff of like, we are going to go to Target together. But like, do we still yes. enjoy each other's company? <laughs> yes, like I want to go to Target with this guy, you know, mm -hmm. um, with whoever I'm with, or just even like go to a bodega or something. Yeah. It just doing the normal things in life, just we never we never got to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. which I think was good. So yeah. yeah. And I also just had to call this out because <laughs> the gaslighting about like the condoms versus the birth control, it actually mm -hmm. really spoke to me because I had a friend who relayed the same conversation to me. She was like seeing this guy and I think deep down she knew like he wasn't a good fit for her, but like she was just kind of intoxicated by him for other reasons. And he like literally tried to convince her that birth control should be the default. And like she had dedicated to not taking birth control for health reasons. And he was just like, Oh, like there's no side effects to birth control, which is like, that is such a crazy like lie. Wow. Yeah. Just a really crazy thing for someone to try and like pressure someone into. So yeah, I've dealt with that. I think more often than not when it comes to like wearing condoms and stuff, you know, just in that sense of the sexual of feeling like a pressure to mm -hmm. do what the other person wants because you want to satisfy them. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, I allowed myself to just, just, you know, do what they wanted me to do mm -hmm. and not, you know, listen to my own thoughts and listen to like what made me feel good. Because I think after, you know, if I didn't use a condom because they were like, no, it doesn't feel good. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to use one. And then after we didn't, I was like, wow, I don't feel good about myself. I'm mm -hmm. nervous. Mm -hmm. I'm not at a time where I don't want to get pregnant. I'm not on birth control, yeah. like your friend because of my own personal health reasons. Mm -hmm. And having that pressure on me, it just didn't sit right. Yeah. Um, but I think that was also a major lesson that he taught me because now going forward, I'm like, no, I'm not going to put up with this. Mm -hmm. This is what I feel like is right for my body. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we are in charge of our own selves and what yeah. we want. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's a big thing that no one really talks about really. Yeah. And it should, because I think there's a lot of pressure on like not wearing a condom or getting on birth control. And at yes. the end of the day, it's the women's choice. So. I 100% agree. And it's like, I literally once had a guy whine like a baby because I was like, no, you need to wear a condom. And I, and in my mind, I was like, are you serious? And I feel like I wish I had called him out harder. Like he did end up wearing it, but I was just like, also that's a red flag. Cause I'm like, okay, so you're just not out here, not wearing condoms with like everyone you have sex with. You yeah. know, I was just like, okay, there's a lot to unpack here. And 
whenever guys are like, yeah, it just doesn't feel as good. It's like, okay, no one likes it. You know, like I don't think it feels as good as a female either, but it's like the safety and the peace of mind supersedes that. Yes. A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, a lot of the times women are faced with that dilemma. And when you're being open and sexual with someone and then you kind of just want to satisfy them and you want, you want to do whatever they're saying kind of sometimes because mm-hmm. you're, you're nervous to speak up. And I think that's yeah. just something that as women, like we have to almost learn to be like, we should speak up in this situation and, yeah. you know, and cool them out. Like if they don't want to have wear a condom, then we're not going to have sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a deal breaker. Yes, it is a deal breaker. And it is a major red flag. Now, I feel like I had to learn that red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes some time and like practice mm-hmm. and just comfort with expressing those needs, especially in a sexual scenario, like you said. So yes. Yeah. So kind of along that vein, I love that you also included like the story of losing your virginity. And I loved how openly you talked about it because I feel like people are rarely sharing this so openly unless it's like, oh, I'm going to tell the story of how I lost my virginity to my first boyfriend or girlfriend and like that romantic story. Or if they're telling a story that's like a horror story or a cautionary (laughs) tale. So it was nice to just hear it being like, oh, like this is just a normal experience. It wasn't traumatic. Like it wasn't like rose petals on the bed either. You know, like it's most of the time probably going to be something in between that. So loved to hear it. I actually like had a guest on my podcast once who told a very candid story about losing their virginity. But afterwards was like, actually, can you like take that out? I know I said I didn't care, but like, I don't want to share it. So love that you're just kind of normalizing having this discussion. Yeah, I wanted to also normalize the fact of having losing your virginity at an older age mm-hmm. with quotations over that. I was 21 years old when it happened, but I felt like at the time I was kind of the lost one in my friend group to lose it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's feeling pressure. And, you know, when I was going out in New York, I was like, oh God, you know, <laughs> how I don't want to say that I'm a virgin. We're mm-hmm. going, I'm like, we're hanging out at these clubs with these men and I'm like, fully a virgin here. I'm like, this is just, I'm like, I don't think this is going to turn out bad. Um, <laughs> so I went, of course, it's like kind of very stereotypical to my last spring break um, down in CS to keep Florida. And it's just something that happened just really naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt right. And that's really what I wanted for my virginity. I didn't care if it was with someone that I, you know, particularly loved or even like really knew. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to feel safe. I wanted it to feel right in the moment and that I was ready. Yeah. And I just felt like it, the universe almost was like, okay, here you go. And it was just <laughs> such, you know, I'm not going to say it was like the greatest sex, but he, <laughs> you know, he wore a condom and it mm-hmm. was very nice. It was just nice. And my friends were there after, you know, I walked back to where we were staying and Mm -hmm. it was just having that support system as well. And, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to share it because like you said, no one really just like talks about just losing it in normal day. (laughs) I don't know. It was like the most normal day Mm -hmm. and I lost it and I wasn't even thinking about it. And Mm -hmm. it just felt right. And also like I said, I lost it when I was 21. I think a lot of people lose it before that. Mm-hmm. But I also think a lot of people don't. That, you yeah. know, they wait till they're like in their 20s and not that they're even waiting because people would mm-hmm. ask me, oh, are you waiting till you're like in love? Are you waiting to marriage? I'm like, no, I'm like, I honestly haven't even thought about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the opportunity yeah. has not shown itself. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to normalize that. 
Yeah. And I like that you said, you know, like you felt safe and comfortable because I think people will look to those stories of like, I lost it to my long-term partner or whatever. And it's like, sometimes those stories aren't as nice as they seem either. You know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. it could be like, oh, well, we've been together for this amount of time. My boyfriend's been pressuring me to do it. And so I did it. And it's like, that isn't the ideal situation just because you're in a relationship. So it's kind of nice to just hear that like, what's really the most important is doing it when you feel comfortable and when it feels totally right versus having any other external factors influence that decision. Right. And I didn't, honestly, I don't even know what his last name is. I have, don't even have his (laughs) number. Like it was just kind of like he came into my life you know, took my virginity and out he went. Like it was just, I didn't <laughs> and have to deal. he was none deal. the wiser. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to deal with anything after. Like it mm-hmm. was just nice. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Easy. And then it like takes the pressure off for the future. <laughs> yes, exactly. I came back to New York and I was like, I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> So kind of like going off of the fact that you said, you know, you walked back to your girlfriends afterwards and you got to like kind of share the experience with them immediately. I feel like the energy behind your book, it also kind of reminds me of Sex in the City just because it's like the importance of having your single girlfriends with you, like your Carrie, your Samantha, your Charlotte, your Miranda. And there was this quote from Charlotte in Sex in the City. I don't know what season or whatever, but she says like, maybe we could be each other's soulmates and then we could let men be these nice, great guys to have fun with. And that really kind of felt like it was really reinforced throughout your book because I feel like early on you just established that there is like a consistent presence of your girlfriends as you're going through all these experiences they're very involved in your dating life as you meet various men out and I just love that you're communicating how important it is to have your friends there with you yeah I I'm a strong believer that your friends can also be your soulmates um, and like you said in the book, they're constantly in there. And I didn't even almost realize it until I was writing the book. And I was like, wow, every story my friends have played a part in, every mm-hmm. story they're there at the end for me to share it with. And to this day, like friends are just so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for myself, I've have yet to like really meet, you know, a romantic partner that I felt like, oh, this is like my soulmate. Mm -hmm. And so for a while and still now, like I really look to my friends and, you know, they're my peacekeepers, they're like gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really wanted to like reinforce that. And in my dating platform, it's really all about like just experiencing your life and how dating is just a part of that and how people come in and out of it. And that can also be your friends mm-hmm. um, and that they just play such a major role in your life and such a major role in your dating life. Because at the end of the day, we date, but we want to share these stories mm-hmm. with someone. Yeah. You want to share your life. And I think friends, they're you know, your soulmates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, throughout the book, you also kind of show that there have been multiple times where you've prioritized the rituals you have with your girlfriend being like, you know what? No, I like want to go to the diner with them or whatever, like over time spent with these guys. And it makes sense because it's like, that should be the table stakes because of course the goal is for your friendships to last and be ever present throughout your life versus it's like, I don't know, the majority of these guys are going to be kind of insignificant when it all comes down to it. 
But I feel like if I'm being honest, like there might have been times where I was first starting to explore dating and going out in my like late teens, early 20s. And in the moment, my priorities would get like a little bit out of whack. And I would like disappear to the other side of a bar with a guy, like just because it felt so new and exciting to get that attention. So how did you kind of like keep grounded and like keep your head on straight and maintain those priorities? Yeah, I think, especially in the time frame of that book, just like for myself and my friends, we just were really focused on like, hey, we're out here having fun. We're not going out to meet anyone. We're, you know, if we do, then that's awesome. But if mm-hmm. not, we're just enjoying each other's company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the time, that's what felt right. But I think there is a point where in friendships, it can get a little bit toxic. I definitely learned the lesson of I wasn't maybe talking to someone who approached me because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to leave my friends behind or I didn't want to make them feel left out. And it's Mm -hmm. like, at one point, are you sacrificing your happiness for theirs? And I think that's when it gets a little bit iffy and then you Mm kind of have to readjust your priorities a bit Mm -hmm. um, and that there's more of a balance there, which I think I've learned in recent years when it comes, you know, to friendship, but you know, they should support if you're talking to someone and you should also do the same. So I think as you get older, there's just like a balance with friendship as well. And what is the priority in that moment? Yeah, there's like the push and pull because you want that friend who's not going to be like, I can't believe you're talking to him. If like you're really excited about someone, you want them to be your wing woman and to kind of advocate for you to have that experience. And I feel like it's also hard because you have that moment where you're like, okay, my girlfriend's talking to this guy. Like, is she into it? Is she just being polite? And so like, since you went out with these girls so frequently, did you have any like code or signals that you would use to be like, yes, I'm interested versus help SOS? I think it almost just, we knew each other so well, we know each other so well, it was just a look. Yeah. It was just like, you know, yes. that kind of, or a look of like, ooh, like I'm into him, or a look mm-hmm. of like, get me out of here. Yeah. Like it wasn't, words were not even needed at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Cause it's like, we've all been in that situation of like, I need help. So it's like, you can kind of recognize it on your friends in particular. Yeah. It's all in the eyes. Mm hmm. So I guess like, did you ever find yourself in an all encompassing relationship that you kind of felt sucked you in a little bit more, maybe to the point where you're like, I actually need to take a step back and reclaim the time that I'm dedicating to myself to my friendships, etc. Or conversely, have you like, witnessed friends go through that process? I think both. Um, I someone who is not in the book um, that I've sort of recently dated, I felt like my whole world got sucked into this relationship. And I just mm-hmm. felt like I wasn't really there for my friends. I wasn't talking to them as much. And it was almost like I was in this relationship because I was like trying to make it work. It was mm-hmm. almost like a challenge and it mm-hmm. really took up all my time. Um, and I kind of had this realization of, whoa, I am missing out on things that I love to do independently, things that I love to do with my friends. Um, So I kind of reevaluated that and left the relationship Mm -hmm. um, to focus on myself and to focus on my friends more. But I've also seen it in my other friendships um, where, you know, they get so into the person that they're with Mm -hmm. that they kind of put you to the side a little bit. And that really does affect your friendship a little bit because they, you know, you also miss out on making memories and doing things together. But Mm -hmm. I've also noticed that 
when my two of my really good friends, one is engaged, one just moved to LA mm-hmm. um, with her now five year boyfriend. Oh, wow. um, and I think there was a transitional period because when you're friends with someone, you're living with them for so long, you know, you really depend on each other. So when they kind of, you know, they're kind of splitting their time between you and their new partner, you're like, whoa, you must go on the defense for a second. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, why aren't you spending that time with me? And I think that's just like, an important part of growth in friendships. I think it takes a lot of communication, a lot of conversations to sit down and be like, this is how I'm feeling. This is how they're feeling. How do we kind of create a new dynamic? How do we kind of create a new form of friendship? And I think Mm -hmm. that just comes with age um, and growth um, and just kind of like growing with each other really. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. Like the dynamic is bound to shift as people enter relationships. And it can be really hard because it's like, yeah, now this person is a huge priority in your life. And so it's also like, how do you balance spending time with your friends, maybe and spending time with this person? Because like, I don't know, like for me, I also want my partner to be like a big part of my friends lives, I want them to all get along and like, for my friends to be excited to see this person. But it's still important to find that balance of like, okay, but like, you need to hang out with these people on their own because no one wants to be with that person who can't do anything without their significant other. You know, it's like significant others are nice, but it also changes the dynamic. And so you have to find that balance so that you're also maintaining the individual relationships you had before this person came into your life. Definitely. Definitely. I think for me is what I've learned is who I have a relationship with. I want them to also, you know, get to know my friends and be friends with my friends and we can all do things together. But I think there's also like when you bring another partner in, it's almost like you don't want to shift your entire life. They should just Mm -hmm. flow right into how you're already kind of, you know, going about your friendships and just life and work and everything personal. And it shouldn't be such a difficult thing to do where you can't, you have to split it up. You can't conjoin it together. It should just be kind of a natural flow. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I guess, you know, you mentioned that you have some friends who like have moved for relationships or just been in long-term relationships. And I'd love to talk about how this experience of dating has shifted for you as you've had friends like move in and out of the single trenches with you, because I remember when I became single at 27, it was like my first time being single for more than like a couple of weeks in like four and a half years. And so fewer of my close girlfriends were single who were like the same age as me. And it was kind of like, to be honest, sometimes it was a little bit lonely. It was a little bit isolating. Like I did have single friends, but it was still kind of interesting to be like, man, now I'm like diving into online dating. And some of my girlfriends who I'm closest to have no idea what I'm talking about because they've never had to online date. You know, they've been with their partners for years at this point. So I guess like, do you have any advice maybe for women who are struggling with feeling like they're kind of going through it alone, or it's a little bit isolating for them? So that is why I created the date confessions for the city of dating. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give women an outlet to share their stories and just to share their dating thoughts. Because I think there is there is a feeling of isolation and feeling alone, especially when like your best friends getting relationships. And it's almost like they just as much as they listen as much as they can, they're not in the same situation and they can't Mm -hmm. really empathize with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to give women an outlet to do that. 
and to be able to share their stories because I really, I really believe that, you know, you go and you go on these dates, but then you want to, you want to tell someone about them because mm-hmm. I feel like writing it down or even like speaking about it allows you to just kind of start processing it um, internally, which is so, so important. And I think that makes you think, Hey, do I want to keep going with this person or do I want to pull back a little mm-hmm. or like, what are the lessons that I learned? I think just, it's so important to talk about dating. Yeah. And I like that too, because it's an opportunity to reflect on it without anyone's external judgment initially. And again, it's like, these are your friends. They're not necessarily like judging you in a bad place. But like, if I'm talking about how I have like two or three first dates in a week or something, it's going to be kind of unfathomable to someone who hasn't gone through that to be like, that's crazy. Or like, if you keep talking about guys, you only go on one or two dates with and they disappear. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the norm sometimes. But again, it sounds kind of like, whoa, that's so strange and like jarring if you just haven't gone through it. So I think, you know, even though the judgment isn't intentional, like they might express opinions just based on the fact that they aren't completely comprehending what it's like from like firsthand perspective. Yeah, I think there's definitely been, you know, I think when I tell, especially my friends, you know, in Texas, um, as much as, you know, dating is, it's so different wherever you go. Mm-hmm. I think specifically dating in New York is just such a different monster and just mm-hmm. such a different experience that I think when I used to go back and be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. These are the dates I've been <laughs> on it. They're almost like, they're, you know, they're supportive. But like you said, they're like a little bit taken back. They're like, mm-hmm. we're not really sure what you know advice to give you here (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's like okay they can listen but the advice is not going to be based on like their learnings because their experience is totally divergent from that yeah yeah so I I wanted to create a space um, within the city of dating that allowed women to share their stories Mm -hmm. and to get advice from someone who is, you know, going through similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I heard this other podcast like years ago. It was like a female podcast host, and she was talking about how all her friends were like in long term relationships. She was in the dating trenches, and she was like, "Yeah, honestly, sometimes I just feel like a sad clown. Like everyone wants to hear my dating stories because they're so funny and bizarre, but like." it is a little bit sad for me. It's like, this is my life. You know? It's not just entertainment. <laughs> there is a hundred percent that feeling. I think everyone who's in a similar situation feels that sometimes. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just here to supply <laughs> these crazy stories. But at the end of the day, I would never, I wouldn't change it for the world yeah, because no. I love dating. I think dating's so fun and I want to bring that fun back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there was one thing that you said in your book that stood out to me. And you said that like, you don't believe in unfollowing past lovers, even the bad exes. And like, I wonder, have there been any exceptions to that rule? Or is it like hard and fast? Like, as long as they didn't totally wrong me, then we're good. There is one um, that I did unfollow. But to be honest, it wasn't for any relationship related reasons. Mm-hmm. I just kind of was like, I don't really like what he's posting or, yeah. you know, this isn't really giving me anything. So mm-hmm. I just was like, I'm just going to unfollow him. But mm-hmm. he was really the only one. I do believe in muting. Like I mute mm, people yes. um, quite a lot when I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I just need a break from this person, but I, I don't want to unfollow them. Yeah. But I think not unfollowing um, for me was 
a really big help on getting over someone mm. because seeing them out, seeing them do things, you know, it makes you naturally feel sad. Yeah. But then I realized there was a day where I would see a story and mm. I was like, wow, I didn't actually care for the first yeah. time. And it's almost like, wow, I am growing. I'm mm-hmm. learning. Um, and yeah, it's like a realization of, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. This is good. And I, that helps me. I think that's mm-hmm. definitely a personal preference because I know a lot of people are like, you should unfollow them. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, there's, you know, there's different opinions on it, but I think for me, it helps me move on and get over someone. Yeah. And I think that the mute button is such an amazing tool that we have at our disposal now. Cause yeah, it's like, sometimes you don't need to unfollow someone. I think with one of my exes, I did the same thing. It was like, I just knew that if I saw him with another girl and it popped up, it wasn't going to make me feel good. But I was like, I don't need to like remove him from my social account altogether. So yeah, I've definitely utilized that in the past. And I do think it's important to just kind of be self-aware of like knowing how you're going to react to certain things and like what the best move is for you. Yes, definitely. I'm a big fan of the mute, big fan Mm -hmm. of the mute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So because you're connected to like some past dates, past flames, whatever, like when they follow you on social and they're like, oh, she's kind of like entering this space about like talking about her dating life. Have you ever had anyone reach out and be like, hey, are you going to talk about me? Um, On dates, you know, especially first dates when, you know, they're like, what do you do? I'm explaining Mm -hmm. it. And they're like, oh, so do you, you know, do you talk about like actual dates that you go on? And like, you know, I was like, for me, I don't talk about it so literally. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, take things that have like happened on dates or maybe yeah. conversations I have with my girlfriends and kind of take it from there. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, you're going to write about me. And I'm like, well, you have to be interesting enough. Literally. To <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, be a little bit more interesting or do something crazy or, you know, like, I'm yes. like, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta be something that sticks with me. And it's almost like, I don't know, it's kind of like a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm sure they're like, wow, I'm going to make it in this book. And you're like, um, yeah. no, like nothing yeah. really to see here. <laughs> but I haven't yet had anyone in my memoir reach out to me yet, which is quite oh, interesting. That yeah. is interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's just all of a sudden it's like going to happen or I feel like I'm going to run into them in the middle of the street because yes. New York's like so small and they're going to mm-hmm. be like, did you write a book about me? And I'm like, um, <laughs> yes. yeah, but you can buy it and read about it. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to tell you what I divulge unless you pay up the money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I like kind of had this happen with the podcast and like it was someone I never followed and vice versa. Like we went on one date. And so I almost missed his DM because it went into that like requests folder. And so I'm like, who is this person? You know, and I like open it up and he's like, oh, like, are you going to talk about me on the podcast? And the funny thing is like, it was not an egregious date. There wasn't anything that crazy about it. And yet I, I had talked about him on the <laughs> podcast because I interviewed my like former roommate shortly after the date. And I was just recapping like, oh yeah, like it was a little awkward. And then at the end he took home like the free tortilla chips. Like he asked for a box for the tortilla chips. And that was like a standout thing. <laughs> and again, I'm not to shame him. I was just like, it was already an awkward date. And then that stood out as just being yeah. like a strange choice. <laughs> and I was like texting my mom or I was on the phone with her and I was like oh my god this guy dm'd me to ask if I had like you know talked about him and it was like someone I only went on one date with and immediately she was like oh is it the tortilla chip guy and I was like how did you know (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they know. They really do. Yeah. I like didn't respond because I was like, we don't, I don't know. He doesn't right. even know that I saw it. It's just in the request folder, but. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like, I don't ever share names. I don't share like, you know, specific jobs and places that they work and stuff. You know, I yeah, want to keep yeah. their stuff private. Exactly. But, you know. Also, if you're on Hinge, you know, all your stuff is already out there. So Exactly. <laughs> it's really not that private. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so no one no one has like reached out yet or no one has it, mostly in the sense of, you know, when I'm out on a date and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, are you going to talk about me? I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also like you don't want them to take that challenge because then what if they just act crazy, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm like, no. Th- do something nice. I mean, something crazy nice, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) I'm like, wow, this person was so kind and nice. You never see this anymore. (laughs) Yes, be the example, not the non-example. Exactly, I like that. (laughs) So how old were you at like the end of kind of your saga in the book? Because I know it's not necessarily linear. So like Mm -hmm. what years did the story span? Um, It ended in, uh, I would say end of 2019. Okay. Okay. Um, that is when Mr. Twig, we ended our relationship, um, mm-hmm. right before 2020. So kind of right before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and that's when it all ended. And I just felt like that was just like the right end for it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I'm a totely different person now. Yeah. I definitely have more stories to share, Ooh. um, and hope to write another book. Um, just because, you know, I want to share a different perspective of dating when you, start to get older and mm-hmm. your early 20s versus your old you know your later 20s and mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. something in your 30s because I think it just dating changes with you mm-hmm. um just in like where you are in your life and yeah. I think it's important to share each phase agreed yeah it's very different and I think just like the types of dates you want to go on the types of guys you're attracted to like your I don't know, just your overall philosophy and like what you're looking for in a partner, it really does shift. And I'd love to hear like, what are some of the ways that you feel like you've shifted your dating philosophy or approach in recent years versus the period that you recount during the book? I think I'm definitely more aware of my emotional and physical needs Mm -hmm. um, in a romantic relationship. I think I used to approach relationships and really invested my entire self into them mm-hmm. without really getting anything in return. It really kind of drained me for a really long time. And it's actually something I, you know, I'm still working on. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I've kind of started to realize in like the past year that I really used to give my entire self to someone um, without really getting anything in return. Mm-hmm. And I think I wanted to shift that idea to be like, you know what, I can date someone and not give them my whole self, you Mm -hmm. know, and allow them to see more and more bits of me as we get closer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that gives me a lot more control in relationships and allows me to really create the narrative that I want to in my dating life. And having that control is empowering. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone in dating should feel that and feel in control. Because Mm -hmm. I think for a while I was in relationships, I felt out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I wanted to shift that. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess like, do you find that the way that you've met guys has also shifted? And if so, how does that kind of impact maybe the types of guys that you're engaging with and like the tone of the dates that you're going on? I still definitely use like online dating, mm-hmm. um, also meeting people out. I feel like it's kind of becoming more, 
you know, easy to do, not very mm-hmm. not, easy, maybe is not the right word. But I think mm-hmm. people are looking to meet people naturally out in bars and mm-hmm. things like that, as opposed to online dating. But I, I do a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think on like, you know, on Hinge, and I'm now on Raya and stuff. Yes. I, I kind of stopped looking for like the right person and kind of just being like, if I like their humor more, mm-hmm. um, or if they just kind of, I have a good vibe with them. I'm kind of stopping being so, so picky, yeah. um, a little bit just so I can like meet people and just mm-hmm. like talk to people that I probably normally wouldn't mm-hmm. before. Um, and that's kind of like my new approach to it. I just, I think that COVID has a, plays a big part in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of just wanting to meet people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm just, I'm more just easy going with it now. I'm like, you know, if I meet someone like, let's go on a date, let's, you know, mm-hmm. let's meet, let's have drinks, let's meet for coffee. Um, and just not put any pressure on it. Low expectations. Mm-hmm. I do love that. And I feel like it can kind of go either way when you've yeah. been dating. Yeah. Like you can take that approach, which I think is the right approach and like a healthy mindset and just like mm-hmm. a way to ensure that you have fun with dating. But I can also see and have maybe even been this person myself. If you like go on a lot of dates that maybe don't go anywhere, like maybe you can start to put more pressure on yourself to find this person. Or you can be like, well, that didn't work with this person. So I'm going to like not date other people who have this quality again. Like it can make you more restrictive. And then it's like that energy is just not going to lead to fun dates. Like people can kind of pick up on it and it's just very limiting. So I love that you're taking the other approach and just being more forgiving with it and just like, I don't know, a little more carefree. Yeah. And I think it's almost like once you've met this person, especially if you meet them online, you can't really tell until Mm -hmm. you're sitting face to face with them. But I think it's just, if it doesn't work, it's like, you can just text and be like, you know, I had a great chat, but I just don't feel like, you know, we should do anything moving forward. Or maybe this is just friendship vibes between us. And I think that's okay. It's like normalizing the fact of meeting someone being like, "Mm, it doesn't really work, but it was great Mm -hmm. meeting you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to kind of like drag it on. You don't have to be mean when you're rejecting them, but it's just like being straightforward. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a slight sidebar. And I feel like, you know, I fully endorse everything you're saying because I agree that like you should be communicative and you should tell people and not ghost them, whatever. I saw this video this week and this girl was talking about how she did that same thing. She went on one date with this person. She texted him to be like, I just don't see a romantic connection. Best of luck to you, essentially. And then she ran into him and he walks straight towards her and like farts in her face and was like, eat my shit and then walked away. And I was like, that is so you always hear those like horror stories about people who react poorly to rejection. And it's like, Obviously, that is the far like, <laughs> anomaly, but I was just like, imagine <laughs> someone responding that way when you're just trying to be like kind and like straightforward with them. All I could say is that is just truly a reflection on the person yes. um, that was rejected. And it's almost like validation of good thing I didn't go on another date with this Not person. Freaking bullet. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that is a crazy story. I know. She even started it off with being like, you guys are going to think this is fake, but I swear <laughs> this happened to me. Oh my gosh, this is saying there's so many crazy stories out there and dating Mm -hmm. stories. It's like, you know, we're all going through the same stuff. 
We are. We really are. Yeah, it's wild. It's out there, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Yeah. So I know you mentioned that you're on Raya, and I know when we first connected, like you had recently gotten admitted to Raya, and so I would love to hear. Does it add any like pressure versus other apps? Like, is there a clear distinction between like the people who are on Raya versus Hinge or Bumble or anything else? I think it's a mixture. Um, I definitely used it more when I first got on it because I was like, this is so interesting. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly an interesting way to date just because you can search people like by their occupation, where they live. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's a great place to connect with people that you normally wouldn't because you mm-hmm. can see people from other places in the world. Oh. Um, but I've kind of started to feel like when I talk about it with my friends who haven't been accepted it's almost like creates a new sense of like dating rejection. And I talked Mm. about this in one of my like, you know, dating advice columns. And there's something that doesn't sit right with it because my friends feel like, Oh, why am I not accepted? And Mm. like, how did you get accepted? I'm like, I honestly don't know. I'm not a massive influencer. I'm not someone went with a lot of the follower numbers and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I'm like, there's not really, I don't know if there's any benefits to it, um, mm-hmm. except for the fact of, like I said, meeting new people that you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It definitely is a mixed bag. I find like I have to really dig through to find the gems, like nothing yeah. against anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's just like who, you know, my type of person is and like what I'm looking for. Maybe really isn't on the app as much. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the whole sense of being accepted into it is just kind of creating almost like a damaging like dating perspective. And mm. I don't really love the way that it makes like my friends feel when they haven't been, mm. you know? Yeah. But um, I'm not quite sure yet what I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely interesting. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like another microcosm of the dating world. Yes, exactly. It's definitely a new dynamic. And you know, there's other ones out there like Lots Club. And yeah. I know there's like mini ones kind of popping up in the city for like events almost. Mm, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very cool. I just think there's like kind of an exclusive factor to it. Yeah. Um, that I just think it's going to be like a new perspective in dating as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. It kind of reminds me of like back in the day when the league was actually exclusive. Yes. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think it is anymore because I signed up for it. I had like no success. I went on like one <laughs> league date. I was like, this isn't as great as they marketed it to be, but mm-hmm. I think I applied and it was like, I think I was accepted within like a day. So I was like, they said there were all these thousands of people waiting to get accepted ahead <laughs> of me. And I was like, are there really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I've never actually been on the league. I think when it first came out, I applied and like didn't get in and like my friends had and they're like, but you only see three people a day. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's so crazy. And it's like, if it's going to be three people a day, I would hope that it's like three people that I'm all excited about. That was never the case. So yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I also just wanted to bring up and bring this back to our initial conversation. We can be totally confidential in terms of like any other details. Um, But I remember that you had said that you went on a date with someone and then totally coincidentally, I was like going to meet that person the next day at an event. They're actually going to be on my podcast. So wanted to provide that update. It's like such a small world. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With the updating show. Mm hmm. Yes, yes, I did. (laughs) I went on a date with him from Raya, which was 
such a coincidence that I was going to the show after, mm-hmm. uh, like the following day, <laughs> which was, um, it, it was such, we honestly got on really well. Mm-hmm. Great chats. I think again, it was just like, I feel like we both maybe felt like this wasn't, um, mm-hmm. going anywhere after. And I saw yeah. him at the show and we mm-hmm. hugged and that Aww. was it. Yeah. That's like, that's case scenario. It's like, it's not oh. awkward. Yeah. No, it was not awkward, but I'm also just not an awkward person. Yeah. Even in awkward, you know, situations. I'm like, whatever, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. but we also, it was not like we didn't even get on. We got on so well and had, you know, great conversations. So only good memories and great thoughts of him. Love that. <laughs> Wish I him love the that. best. Yes. Yes. Um, maybe I'll have to ask him about the date. Yeah. See what he says. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Both sides of the story. I'm sure they match up. I'm sure they match up. <laughs> no, very nice, man. Very. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this was amazing. I wanted to play a quick game with you before letting you go. And so it's kind of like a would you rather. And it's the theme of early 20s tropes. So, like things that you would expect from somebody maybe when they're in college or just graduated from college if you were to encounter this dating as like an almost 26 year old how would you feel Mm -hmm. okay i'm ready okay so would you rather go out with someone who wears a shirt that has like their fraternity letters on your first date or you go back to their place and their comforter has greek letters printed on it oh definitely the shot yeah i feel like the bedding feels a little bit too intimate. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a commitment. It's like you yeah. really need this around every night. <laughs> that's keeping that's keeping him warm at night. <laughs> yeah. Also, like I don't. I mean, I just made that up. Like I've never seen anyone who has that. So I'm like, I feel like you would have to really go out of your way to even get that made. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can buy them on the fraternity websites or something. I have no idea. I feel like that exists. I know. Yeah, it's probably not that crazy. There's people out there who are like, what do you mean? Like, you just go to this website. (laughs) No, definitely the shot. Yeah, agreed. Like, that's not ideal either, but I would take the shot. No, but if I had to choose. Yes, yes. Okay. Would you rather that you go to their place and you see they have a framed Godfather poster or they have a framed poster of like their childhood crush. And I'm envisioning like the Kelly Kapowski bikini photo or something like that. I think Godfather. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that having their crush still framed. So <laughs> weird. I just imagine like I think about like a teenage boy's room, you know? Right. Yes. I mean, it's like if I still had like 13 year old Justin Bieber framed <laughs> in my home. Oh my God. Yeah, a huge red flag. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the last one, would you rather that they share a bedroom with a permanent roommate? So it's like maybe they have like two full beds, you know, they both sleep there every night or they have a roommate who is like an opposite work travel schedule. So they're like, oh, well, I travel Monday through Friday. They travel on the weekends. And so we just have like one bed set and we like alternate using <laughs> This is really hard. I was just talking to my friend about how, you know, what if we went back to a guy's place and he like had a bed in the same room as his roommate? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. But then sharing the bed. I mean, do they clean the sheets? That's the hope. That's the hope. But but I feel like, you know, some weeks, maybe not. Some weeks, like it might slip through the cracks. That is incredibly hard question. (laughs) Because if they clean the sheets, Mm -hmm. I would say share a bed. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, if they're constantly just like both sleeping in that room, I can, I will not be able to sleep in the no. bed next to his friends. It's like roommate. being in a frat house. Right. No, right. I definitely would prefer the one bed situation with yeah. clean sheets. I would too. I would. <laughs> and I feel like you could really enforce, like, if I'm coming over, you need to like show me that the sheets were just washed. So, like pulling them out of the dryer as you come over. <laughs> I would definitely get to the point where like, do you want me to clean these sheets for you? Because I'm yes. just personally not sleeping on the dirty ones. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that's too, too much. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they have I their do. own sheet sets. Oh, yeah, that's way better. So then if there's no time for laundry, at least you know that the last yeah. person used it was like, just I could in. buy them a new sheet set. I love that problem solving. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This was fantastic. And I would love if before you go, you could just plug where everyone can find you, the book and all of you, like your confessional site, everything. Yeah. So it's on www.thecityofdating.com is where you can buy the hardcover, where our deep date dating weekly advice column is also on and where you can submit your dating confessions on all socials, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, everything. It's at the city of dating as well. And you can submit your date confessions on there. And, you know, we just have a lot of self-love stuff and affirmations, just like all feel goods, make you feel good by yourself as well as dating. So yeah, just the city of dating everywhere. Easy. Well, thank you so much. This was so fantastic and definitely recommend the book. It is so fun. And by the end, like I said, that final chapter, it's like, I feel like we can all look inward and really relate to it. So amazing job. Oh, thank you so, so much. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.